Hey guys, Ed from Paranormal Inc. Ohio here, back at it again with another podcast episode. Tonight's episode is going to be something a little different, something I didn't even know had happened. We're going to talk about Christina Boyer, and I just watched a documentary on her and the possession that she was under, or the poltergeist activity that was going on in her house at a very, very young age. Uh, She was adopted by her adoptive parents. She lived in the house and strange things would happen up until she was about 14 years old and this stuff really started kicking off. Uh, She remembered telling a story that she had woke up, gone into the living room, turned on the TV, the TV wouldn't stay on one station or the volume would go up and down and her adopted mother came out and was telling her it was all in her head and just to turn the TV off. So she unplugged the TV and when she unplugged the TV, the TV remained on. And then a bunch of glassware just started flying. Things started, like, exploding. And her dad, her adopted dad came in and just really got angry because that's just what he was. He was a very stern, very mean person and was just repeatedly saying, how are you doing this? And would beat her all the time. Um, At least that's what she said that had happened to her, that the father would beat her all the time and the mother wouldn't do anything about it. Her real mother uh, was a prostitute who was busted for heroin. She got pregnant by her pimp, and that is Christina's actual mother and father. Now, as time went on, a professor came to Christina's home and stayed with her for X amount of time to try to document everything that was going on. He got pictures of things flying Um, he talked to Christina, he's seen all the things that would happen. She would bend spoons and forks in weird ways. They would find things stacked, things thrown, being moved. You know, even when he's mid-interviewing, there's footage of it where he's talking to her and then all of a sudden a lamp just goes flying towards her and it hits the ground. The adoptive mother and father were just no help at all. Just constantly yelling and screaming at her like it was her fault. And, of course, the adoptive father would beat her all the time. So this professor took her to, like, almost like a a home for him to study her. And there she thrived. Uh, Everything was okay. But the occurrences were not happening nearly as much as it was in the home where all the stress was. So he eventually sent her back there and just kind of left her he went on to write this book about her and everything and he was supposed to pay her money well he didn't pay her any type of money for it but as the years went on her adoptive mother and father wanted to put her back into the foster care and what that would have done is it would have sent her to a place where they sent juveniles almost like juvenile detention uh, like prison for kids before she could be picked up by any family because she was dubbed unruly and just a problem so she ran off she ran away at 16 years old and she got with a guy who was a very bad guy he would beat her constantly he would sexually assault her constantly and she would try to run but he would threaten her and the only reason why she lived and got away from him is because she got pregnant now she's pregnant with her daughter amber and she goes to, she goes from Ohio, because this was all in Ohio. Then she moved to Georgia. And in Georgia, she got 
you know, low-income housing and everything. She was 18. She, uh, hold on. She was 20, sorry, because Amber was three years old. And she got low-income housing. She was struggling to find work. She was doing things that, you know, you're not supposed to do. She was selling her body for money. And, you know, she was trying to just say, she was trying to find a babysitter. But when the stress picked back up, Then, when she laid Amber down to go to sleep one night, a fire occurred. And she's calling her best friend Jeannie, and, you know, it's happening again, it's happening again, this thing is back. And, you know, they saved her from that. It went on that the poltergeist activity would pick back up again. Things are getting thrown and broken, like, you know, before things are opening and shutting. And, of course, the fire. Then... They found out that her mother, her real mother, the prostitute, could do the same thing. Whenever stressed out, things would be thrown, things would break, and her sisters would do the same thing. So now people are saying that she's a witch because, you know, she grew up, her sisters even said that they grew up in a Wicca household. They were raised Wiccan, and, but I think their mom was in the better part of it because all this crazy stuff just keeps just continuously happens. They have a picture of her real mother in her sister's house that will be flipped upside down or thrown on the ground whenever nobody's in there. You know, things happen to all their all their lives and all their homes. Think crazy things happen, things get thrown, so on and so on. So Christina finally gets everything under control and thinks everything's okay. Things start calming down. And she meets this guy named David. Her and David got together. And... Things started happening to Amber. Um, you know, they would find bruises. And he'd always have an excuse like, well, she fell. Or, you know, she hit her head. Whatever, whatever. So now... Christina and her friend Jeannie decide they're going to write this book about her experiences with the paranormal. And as they're writing this book, things start happening again. Just the, the normal poltergeist activity. Stuff being thrown, things broken, lights turning on and off, TVs turning on and off. Just crazy stuff that you can't explain. Just happen. So she goes to Jeannie's house one day and she's writing this book. This is allegedly. And she comes, she's gone for six hours. She comes home and she finds out that Amber cannot, won't wake up. David comes out and says, hey, I can't wake her up. You got to remember that they've found bruises on her before when she was left in his care. And so they rush her to the hospital, but she had that book with her. And once she found out that Amber couldn't wake up, she dropped the book and the pages just flew everywhere and the book was just forgotten. They take it to, they take her to the hospital, they get a heartbeat, but she's brain dead. And then about 20 minutes later, a doctor comes out and says, you know, she's passed away. So Amber's just, not Amber, but Christina's just in tears because Amber's dead. David just keeps saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And it goes to court. I mean, it's a, it's a dead ringer that David killed her. Even the medical examiner said that within the six-hour period that, he was, that she was left alone with David is when she got the fatal blow. So, but still... They were still putting it on Christina. Christina got a lawyer who was just... He got the death penalty off the table. 
The prosecutor was not bending. They were going to get somebody. And the detectives, even the detectives said, we can't really tell who did it was him or her. But, you know, they, they lean on the fact that she was the mother. She should have protected her, which she should have, 100% should have protected her child. But the fact of the matter is they could not bring the evidence to pinpoint it straight on Christina. Now, as I'm watching this documentary, the prosecutor and the assistant prosecutor at the time, they're bringing out evidence, putting it on the table, saying she's done this. They're getting audio tapes of people saying that she beats her, that she does this, that she does that. But the crazy thing is nobody knew these people in Christina's life. Her friends, her family, everything. They had no idea who these people are that are testifying. And then they they got the, the video of her selling her body to another man. And her daughter was in the video. Yes, that's terrible. And just for that reason alone, I believe she should be locked up. Because you're bringing her into a moment of sexual perversion with another man who's obviously it, got sexual problems of his own. And you're bringing your young girl in there. And she said, well, she had to do what she had to do for money. She didn't have a babysitter. No, that doesn't... I'm sorry, that just doesn't... Okay it with me to take your daughter, your three-year-old daughter in that type of situation. But it just seemed like Christine was getting all these blows. And then David said, oh, God, I think she killed her. And for that reason alone, they pinned it all on her. David ended up getting... um, Oh child endangerment and he got 20 years Christina signed a plea because they pretty much scared her into signing this plea that said I have no idea who did it but I understand that the that the facts is that she was murdered and she got 30 years plus life so life is usually 25 so that's another 25 years on top of 30 so 55 years altogether so, they get these, these people come to light and they want to free Christina because they believe she's innocent. They believe she didn't kill Amber. Um, she, hell, even I think that David killed her because she was both. And then there was another medical examiner like today. Like a medical, medical examiner 2023 examined all the files, everything, examined all the pictures and everything of Amber. And she even said the fatal blow had to have come from David. And they're trying to free her and they're diving into all this stuff and all these weird things that are happening to her that shouldn't happen to her that you think the justice system... Yes, the justice system screws up badly sometimes, but not like this. And yes, there are innocent people that do get put in prison. But this was just insane. The evidence pointed... the D, Not the DNA, but the... The crime scene and indicated and all the evidence from the medical examiner pointed straight to David Heron as the killer. But still, they nailed Christina to the wall. They threw the book at her. And and I get I know what you're thinking. Well, where does this stem in with the paranormal? Well, I'm about to tell you. Now, she had something in her past that obviously followed her. And if her mother was practicing dark witchcraft. Nine times out of ten, dark dark witchcraft always deals with a demonic entity. Because they're not, you know, doing the good things. So, and in order for you to get something from a demon, you have to give 
the demon something itself. Now, I sat here last night with my wife, and we watched it. And there for a few minutes, I was like, you know, this is clear cut, man. She, she killed her kid, and you can't just blame it on the paranormal because if the courts let that happen, then everybody and their brother who commit a murder or some type of violent crime is going to come forward and say, oh, I was possessed by a demon, and a demon made me do it. And it made me think about Ronnie DeFeo, the Amityville case. Well, Ronnie DeFeo killed his whole entire family, and he said he was possessed. And I believe that case. I believe that Ronnie DeFeo was possessed. Because even in his jail cell, the guards would not go get him because all the crazy things would happen. He would just appear outside of his cell, and nobody's unlocked the door. Or it would rain in his cell. They couldn't understand what the, the hell was going on. So, it got me thinking, what if... Christina's mother bartered her firstborn child's soul for some type of something in return. Well, that does happen. And that demon's going to come to collect one way or another. Whether who it is or what the situation is, it's going to get what it wants. And it started in with her at 14, you know, tormenting her. It followed her up to her adulthood. It set fires. It tormented her there. And you think all these string of bad luck that this woman went through, where she's just convicted without the evidence, she's in prison for 30 plus years, she, they're trying to get her out, and the prosecutors are still just, no, we're not letting it happen, and they still don't have proof that she committed the final blow that killed her daughter. Should she have been there to save her daughter? Yes, from before, when she found out there was bruises and everything on, on her and she was clearly being beaten. She should have stepped in, took her daughter from that situation, and left that dude. But the justice system and the criminal justice system and the courts have to determine if she was the one that gave the final blow to the child to kill the child. So they couldn't do that. They, they couldn't at all do that. They just come with this uh, circumstantial evidence that where people don't even know who these people are that say they know her. But they got no DNA evidence. The crime scene it all points towards David, but still she is the one that keeps getting jacked up in this. So, when in the, in the years of this that I've done and the demonology that I've studied and everything, a demon is going to oppress you for as long as it wants. And my wife came up with a with a perfect, perfect thing. She looked at me and said, you have always said that a demon will, and the devil will lie and do anything it wants for as long as it wants to a person. And I was like, man, she's right. It's true. They will. That's why you're not supposed to trust them at all. Because all that demon has is time. I've said that time and time again. They're almost like a, an inmate for, with life. You know, that's it. That's all they got to do is mess with us and to take us over. So, I think that's what's going on. I think this demon, or whatever it is, this entity, is just stringing everything along because, you know, it can. And it, it thinks it's fun. And it likes it. It feeds it. Our fear, our anguish, our everything, feed it. And I think it's just, with Christina Boyer, it's a buffet for it. And it just keeps doing it, and it keeps doing it, and keeps doing it. I mean... And that's what they do until it gets what it wants. And it could do this forever for as long as it wants. It never dies. It's never really been alive. It's a demon. 
It wants what we have. It wants life. If it can't get it, it's going to torment us until it decides that it's going to do whatever it's going to do. I mean, they even tried to exercise. They tried to do an exorcism on her when she was younger. Priests came in, you know, they put hands on her, they prayed, they did everything they could, and, you know, they said it just, that's it. You know, it's it's gone, but it wasn't. And nine times out of ten, if you exercise a demon, very rarely will it come back to the same person because they know that they're going to get caught again and it's, it's going to be drone out. So... I think this thing just never left. I think it just went dormant to get these priests off its back and just continue to wait, continue to wait till it decided it was going to rear its head in. And it did. And it still is, you know, to this day. And and it will for eternity. Because that's just what happens when you mess around with things you shouldn't mess around with. And if, you know, her mom really did make a deal with this thing then that's just, that's it. There's nothing she can do to get out of it. She can try to get another exorcism, and they can fight and fight and fight. But if one exorcism didn't work, another exorcism I don't believe will work. It'll just lie dormant again until the priests and the preachers go away, and it pops its head back out again. I mean, I, I watched this and was like, wow, this is incredible. And I had no idea any, I had no idea about it at all. And I watched it and was like, holy crap, this was freaking awesome. And even my wife got into it and she does not like the paranormal, period. She always tells me that I can deal with the dead. She doesn't want to. So, and it caught her eye too. And we watched it and we just, it was was a good show. So, and that made me just want to kind of, you know, look this up and do everything and, and just make an episode about it because I really think that something is oppressing her. And it's going to for... I think it just likes it. It likes to feed off that anguish, anger, fear, anxiety that it puts her through. And everybody else that's trying to get her free, you know, it's got a part of that too. And it's got to feed off them as well. So, and and, you know, demons are parasites. That's what they do. They just suck you dry. Until there's nothing left. And they'll do it as long as they can. That's why I always tell you guys, don't ever, 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 you know, mess with Ouija boards, seances, and things like that. Uh, Because it's just opening a doorway. It's just, or to practice the stuff like witchcraft that you're not really into, or you don't know anything about, you should never just, jump into it and try to do something and just, you know, things can come back tenfold. And if you're not trained in it or if it's not what you have done your entire life, it's just, it's just like me, say I want to become a firefighter and then I just put on a firefighter suit and just run into a burning building. I'm going to die. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So that's just what's going to happen. So that's why I always tell you guys to just be careful. I know it's so intriguing and a demon can entice you in so many ways to drag you in. You just got to stay strong and you got to be stronger than it because they have no power over you unless you give them that power. You give them that power, then they've got you. 
And once that thing takes hold, it is slim, slim to impossible to get rid of it. And it will stay with you forever until a miracle happens and somehow you rid yourself of this entity. So, I, just, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I know I've been a little long-winded on this one. But it was just, it was crazy, man. Just how everything just kept going wrong for her. And there's no proof that she did anything. And yet she's locked away. She's been in prison for over 30 years. And she has never once said that she was guilty. She's always maintained her innocence. Which, yes, I have worked in a prison. And every inmate in a prison will look at you and say, I'm innocent. I didn't do anything. But you could tell the difference between the ones that actually did it and actually didn't do it. I mean... It's just, it's just incredible. And I just think that there is something darker attached to this situation at hand that, you know, nobody's seen because it's, it's hard to now the science and government and everything saying that, you know, it's not real, but they want to sit here and say the aliens are real. Like they're going on TV saying we got alien footage and they're real and they've always been here. But the second you mention a spirit or something, they're like, Oh, oh that's hogwash. That, that doesn't happen. So... I, I don't know, man. It's just, it's, it's, to me, it's insane. So much evidence of spirits and they still just want to, nope, it's not real. So, but again, I understand on the flip side of it that anybody can just say, oh, I was possessed by a demon while I did it. And then they'll try to get off that way. And I mean, David Berkowitz, he was a part of the Sons of Sam's cult that was a, a satanic cult that killed for the devil. He always said that a demon told him to kill everyone. You just... Demons have a hold of everyone. Look at Richard Ramirez. He was a satanic worshiper. He killed everybody for the devil. Let's go... Okay, let's go sideways with it. Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy said he was a Christian man. He was very charismatic. He was very charming. The judge even said to him... I wish that we was seeing each other in this court with different circumstances because you would make a damn fine lawyer. That's how much charm Ted Bundy had. But he ended up being one of the most prolific serial killers in this, the history of the United States. Killed multiple women, went back, dug them up, de bodies decomposed, and he would have sexual relations with it. He would sexually assault his victims before he killed them and didn't even bat an eye at it. He even escaped capture and could have just eluded the police for the rest of his life, but no, he chose to continue to kill again with the same damn vehicle that he was in when he got caught before. And people will be like, oh, it's, it's, it's an illness, it's this, it's that. No. He liked doing it, just like every serial killer out there that kills and kills and kills and kills. It is a hunger inside of them. And there is something that is deep down inside of them that is controlling that hunger. And I believe it is demonic forces. It's the evil forces at work. So that's just what I believe. I mean, I'm not trying to knock on anybody's beliefs. If you don't believe that, that's cool. And that's what you believe. But I think in order to do something so heinous, 
and something to happen so heinous to a child or anybody, whether it be an adult, a child, whatever, there is something evil in the background controlling everything. It's like a puppeteer and it's puppet. Because there was time that, that Bundy would even say, I couldn't control myself. Dahmer said, I couldn't control myself. Ramirez said, I couldn't control myself. Berkowitz, I couldn't control myself. The list goes on and on and on. That there was some type of force that was feeding them this desire. They didn't want to, but this desire and this whatever was forcing them to commit these heinous acts had to be something. And I don't buy the mental illness stuff. Yes, people can be mentally ill. 100% true. But if you look at it, each and every one of these serial killers were damn near geniuses in their own mind. They were very smart. They knew what they were doing. They never got caught. How do you kill so many people? We'll we'll just put this in Dahmer aspect. How do you kill so many people and have so much body parts and bodies in your apartment that nobody finds out about it until you're caught in the act by the police? And yes, neighbors called the cops. The cops didn't give a crap. They didn't come out and check anything. And I don't buy that crap because they was in a, a bad area and the cops didn't come out. No. Something is in the background controlling things. So it can get what it wants and it can get what it, it wants to feed. And when the jig is up, look what happens. They're all dead. Dahmer was beaten to death. Ramirez died of cancer. Uh, Berkowitz was executed. Pundi was... So they use these things up, or these people up, and then once it's done, they're done. DeFeo. DeFeo lived very long in prison, but died a horrible, slow death of different types of cancer. And a heart issue, I believe. So yes, I, I believe that there's something in the background, and it controls what happens and if we let it in if we give it that power from the jump it's going to do whatever it wants and it's not going to give a crap about you or about anything else so I don't know I liked this episode I hope you guys liked it too it it really just kind of puts everything together in a perspective because like I said, last night I was all, oh, she did it, she did it, she had to have done it. And then, you know, my wife was like, no, you always say that the devil and the demons, they will lie in wait and they'll forever. And it's true, they will. So that got me thinking. And I started thinking about all these other killers. But yes, in this, in this point of this murder, Christina says she's innocent and didn't do it. All I'm saying is there was something in with her that continuously puts her in these in these bad situations. Nobody has this much bad luck for their entire life. And it's just it, it just boggles my mind. So 
Thank you guys so much for coming and checking out the episode. I hope you guys liked it. I want to thank each and every one of you for all the love and support that you give my family and me and Paranormal Inc. Ohio. And if it wasn't for you guys, you know, I wouldn't be doing this stuff. You can go to ParanormalInkOhio.com. There you can check out all of our crystals and sage bundles and jewelry we have for sale. You can also see some old ghost hunts, some lives, and some other uh, paranormal things there. From there, you can go to Paranormal Inc. Ohio group. It is a group page on Facebook. There we discuss more things about the paranormal. You can find us on TikTok, Paranormal Inc. Ohio. You can find us on YouTube, Paranormal Inc. Ohio. On TikTok and YouTube, there's videos. I put some of the podcasts on there as video formats and other things that are on there. And, yeah, I just, it just, this case just really, I don't know, man, threw me for a loop. So, you guys have a good night. You will hear from me tomorrow night again with another episode of Paranormal Inc. Ohio podcast. Thank you guys so much, and have a good night. Bye, everyone.